we should really be in our parasympathetic nervous system 90% of the time. But in this day and age, it's the other way around. It's swapped because there's so many stimulations and external influences and it's normalized to be in a high paced life where it's, it's really should be the other way around. Hi guys, and welcome back to the Rachel J Podcast. We're talking all things wellness and lifestyle to help you do life better. I'm your host, Rachel J. It's been so great seeing everyone enjoying the recent episodes. Again, thank you so much for tuning in and listening. I know some of you have been listening to the podcast for a while, but you may not be subscribed. So if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. It makes such a difference. It will help us grow the podcast for you so that we can have more inspiring conversations and learn more from our amazing guests. This week, I'm very excited to be sitting down with meditation and a breathwork teacher and founder of Ali Wellness. Welcome to the show, Ali Outgen. Thank you. Thanks so much, Rachel. So good to be here. I'm so excited for this chat and, you know, I feel like there's so many amazing things that you're doing in your life and I'm really excited to get stuck into all of these amazing things that you're doing. But to start, I really want to find out a little bit more about you and understand you as a person because I feel like obviously you have a very great presence in the public space in terms of social media and stuff like that. And so I'm interested to know, what do we need to know about you and your younger years and your earliest childhood experiences that have shaped who you are as a person today? Well, I would call myself a country girl at heart. So I was really fortunate enough to grow up um, in the Adelaide Hills, so in the beautiful countryside. And um, my brother and I were um, 16 months apart and we were so close and we used to play together every single day out in nature. And um, I think like it's as simple as that, that I really am so grateful for that kind of childhood and upbringing. Um, it's, it was the simple things that really made us happy. And we just played together and played chasey, climbing trees, would climb trees and then jump out of the trees and, um, go and, um, go down to our dam and walk down the creeks and get our boots stuck in the mud and like find snakes and, um, just explore and be really curious and present. And um, I think from there I, I just formed such a connection with nature and from from those sort of years I could always rely on nature to bring me back to um, my connecting with myself and I've always done that. Yeah, right. I feel yeah. like um, it's something that we, I think, in modern day times we we forget to do you know what I mean it's it's with we live in such a busy crazy especially people who live I guess in the in the main cities it's something that we have to remind ourselves to do so it sounds like that's been so ingrained from a really young age for you which is which is so lovely to hear now Obviously, through your work and guiding people through meditation and breath work and coaching, and you get to see the shift and transformation in people. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to know what the biggest and most common problem is that you find that people face when they initially come to see you. You know, what are they generally struggling with? Mm. Um, probably the most common one is um, knowing their purpose. Mm finding their purpose and even just before that a step 
before that is just feeling um, unworthy and um, unmotivated and just a bit lackluster in life. Where's my spark gone? Um, and we sort of find out eventually that it's um, they haven't got a clear focused um, purpose. So, so when we figure that out, and that's only found out by um, meditation and um, nature and journaling and by connecting within because when we connect in and we have that silence um, and that gratitude is um, cultivating in our world, then from there, then the purpose is realised, self-realised. But without the connection with self, um, with your heart, um, with your inner being and what it's calling you to do, which is a lot you know, which is always going to be greater here on this planet, then, yeah, until we've done those steps, then we can just go into um, finding the purpose. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like that's a question that so many people ask, like you said. I've definitely heard that and seen that around where people are asking, you know, what what is my purpose? What am I supposed to do whilst I'm living this life? So can you take me back to your journey of finding your purpose? Because obviously you've done so many amazing things in your life and I'm interested to know how did you come to the point of discovering that for yourself? Because I imagine that there's an exploration, there's a journey that that you can get to that point. It doesn't probably happen overnight, right? It's something that you you have to really work through and and like you said, do that that inner work to really find what it is inside yeah. you. So how was that journey for you? How did you really come to that point of discovering that for yourself? Well, I'd say it was a journey of remembering and a journey of awakening to my true desires and to my yeah, for my true path. And I guess, I guess it did start as a kid. So I was always in nature and mum would always cook us really wholesome meals. She loved cooking and she would always cook from scratch. Um, and I would be really competitive with sports and athletics and, and all, sort of all through my childhood and then teenagers and then twenties, I was really healthy and made sure that I nourished and fueled myself correctly um, because I wanted to perform the best in my sports, um, but also to feel good. Um, So then I would start making my own recipes, like mum's recipes into healthy recipes. And so then there was, I had the connection to nature and the healthy food aspect. And because I was so into sports and boxing and athletics and, you know, that real masculine sort of energy. So there was that combined with, then I got into TV and I was in the TV industry for seven years. And that was, you know, I really enjoyed it at the time, but it wasn't my calling. It wasn't my purpose. And so that was just a time in my life. But in the back, I was always doing something in wellness, like, yeah, whether it was going for walks, being in nature, healthy food. I created an ebook, which was just workouts, healthy recipes and meal plans. And so I guess it like work-wise, it started there. I started selling my ebook and then, and then I came to a stage where I really needed meditation. And that's a whole story in itself because that's related to when I was in the media and 
yeah, then I learned meditation and I learned yoga for a year and, and then it was sort of all combining, you see. And then I found my passion really lied with meditation because that's what connected me to my heart and also allowed my mind and yeah, brain expansion, basically my consciousness to expand and yeah. And then I just had to share that with as many people because I just, it was profound, the blissful, the yeah peace that I found with yeah, meditation. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it sounds like that journey was a bit of an evolution. Like you said, you've always been in wellness, but yeah. there's always different iterations of it, right? There's different paths that you can take within wellness. And it yeah. sounds like your journey has just led you to all these different parts that you've I guess gathered along the way, right? To to make it into this thing that you that you do now, and have found this place where it really is a passion of yours, right? To share with other people. Yeah. So yeah, you it, which which is very cool, and I think that most of the people that I speak to on the podcast who are in the wellness space have had a similar journey where they've experienced something personally that they've gone through and then whatever it is that they've discovered along their journey has helped them so much that they want to share that with other people and help other people who might be going through something similar or, you know, whatever resonates with with other people to share that with other people, which is so, you know, lovely that you're able to do that work. Like a catalyst, isn't it, that really makes us decide and change and choose to go on that path. Yeah. And yeah. and usually it's a challenging time or something difficult or something that you that really brings you to face to face with something that is at the time challenging hmm. but ultimately leads you down a, a, a very positive path, which is yeah. sort of, you know, the, the path that you're on now. It's always growth, you know, like which is always like the hardest times are always growth. Perfect. That's right. And it's and it's so nice to also frame it for yourself in that way. You can always look back at experiences and go, you know, look at it in a negative way, but taking it as a positive and learning the lessons and growing and then being able to turn that around and use it for something positive in the world, I feel like is is such a great, a great way to approach things, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if yeah. you're grateful for it and yeah, as you said, learn those lessons, then, yeah. then there's always growth and evolve involvement yeah 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 so you mentioned your your time in tv and how that was quite pivotal in terms of your own journey of growth and and you know I've heard you say that you you experienced quite a bit of anxiety when you were in that media space and it's something that I don't know if people really speak about that much to be honest uh and it's it's an interesting perspective to hear you know the behind the scenes especially for people listening who don't really know what goes on behind the scenes. So yeah. can you take me back to those days and explain what you were feeling and how being in that space was triggering that anxiety and how you were able to sort of move through it? Because, you know, I feel like this is quite a, that's a pivotal time in in your journey, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, I was in yeah TV for about seven years and um, during that time, it's just constant judgment. It's constant judgment and constant scrutiny. And with that, like it's good and bad, you know, we're energetic beings. So I'm feeling everything, but thousands of people with their judgment. And that's a real lot of energy (laughs) 
to absorb and to be strong and try and deflect and contain your self-worth and your perspective of yourself, your strong perspective of self. So really it, it was just that constant and it was also the drive um, and the thought that I still had to be in that world to create money flow, to create, um, you know, I was in that world. And and so then you sort of have to play with the flows of what's going on. And that industry is, um, well, I'm talking really specifically about the reality TV industry is is like plays on people's personalities and traumas and limiting beliefs and relationship um, attachment styles um, and manipulates them to create this engaging story. Um, So in that sense, I was really naive when I was in that space and I was sort of like a puppet and sort of being um, in reaction mode with, my energy and I wasn't, um, I wasn't self-contained in my energy and didn't have any protection in my energy and um, it was really just unsafe, unprotected um, space to be in and only now can I realise that and, um, yeah, reflect on it in a very, um, yeah, self-aware state, I guess. Um, but all that just makes you so anxious about who you are as a person, who am I, <laughs> you know, yeah. or oh, what should I be like today? Um, or can I go out the house? Or um, I don't know if the public's ever seen me without eyelashes before. I should put some on if I'm going down to like get some takeaway. That was at the very beginning. But, yeah, just that constant flow of people's opinions. Um, so, yeah, there was that. And so... I was taking, I got to a point where I was just feeling really alone. I felt overwhelmed um, and I was just close to having a, a nervous breakdown and I needed something to naturally calm me down because I was taking sleeping tablets and I was taking Valium and, oh, I just got shivers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I needed something natural and that is when I just decided I need to start meditating and I booked myself into a meditation retreat and on that retreat is when my body just like sighed a huge sigh of relief for the first time and that was because it was experiencing the parasympathetic nervous system. It was like, oh, you're safe, you're secure, you can calm down, you can relax. Oh, your heart rate's slowing down, your breath's slowing down Um, and from there, Um, that's when I started studying yoga and meditation for a year and just fell in love with meditation even more. And yeah, I just had to share it with as many people as possible. Yeah. I mean, I feel like listening to you explain and describe your experience, you can actually feel it in your body that you can get so, yes, just the amount of, I mean, even now with social media, sometimes it can be a bit like that because we're exposed to so many people's comments and and judgment and you know if it's not all positive obviously there's there's sometimes the negative as well and I mean I'm 
I'm so pleased to hear that you're in a place where you are, where you're explaining the self-reflection piece where you understand and can feel what was going on in your body at the time. Because obviously while you were going through it, um, like you were saying, you were taking the pills and stuff like that to, to calm the nervous system down and, you know, being in that fight or flight state. Everybody can relate to that and whether they've, you know, sort of whatever their experience is, that that feeling of tenseness in the body is a really uncomfortable and and not not a nice feeling to feel. So I imagine when you find something like meditation that's so natural for your body and not necessarily putting things in your body that it, like you said, that feeling of relief yeah. to just exhale everything out, I suppose. Yeah. So... Can you take me through what your most impactful experience of meditation was like? Was it that very first one on the retreat, you know, or was it a different experience where where it really had a major impact on you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the first time was um, a huge impact because I had dabbled in it before that retreat, just um, gone on headspace and and tried to do it um, them before I went to sleep, but I just felt like oh I couldn't do it and I wasn't doing something right and but yet yeah, so the first meditation where I effortlessly did it because I wasn't trying and I accepted that there were thoughts and just listened to the wind and um, yeah just listened to the silence really and it was just blissful. I'm like did I just experience peace and bliss doing absolutely nothing um, yeah. without any effort. So that was definitely the pivotal point. Um, and then um, sort of most recently, I think it was in May, where um, I did a another meditation course, which was a three-month Vedic meditation course to become a teacher in that um, tradition. So on that retreat, which was part of the course, it was a seven-day retreat and, I don't know, it was probably the middle somewhere and we were meditating sometimes for like 12 to 14 hours a day. Wow. Your body, in this Vedic meditation, your body just releases stresses and that's what it's designed to do. And so I was at a point where I was really clear and, you know, I had released a lot of stress and so my body's like, okay, you've released all this stress, you're safe now, you can go to the deepest, darkest places where the, you know, you're holding that trauma that you don't want to release because it's way too scary to feel again. So in that meditation, it was just a, it was just another meditation that I was in and I experienced this release, but then it was this, I can only describe it as ecstasy. Like it was such a spaciousness expansive blissful ecstasy feeling Mm. and yeah my body just felt really safe to to release and then and then be freed yeah Yeah. and connected on such a deeper level yeah Yeah. wow that sounds like such an incredible experience to yeah have that feeling and it feels it feels as you describe, it feels very visceral, you know, it feels very like you can feel it in your body and in your mind as well. And you mentioned there talking about feeling safe in your body and, and having sort of these kind of childhood traumas or traumas that sit there essentially 
come up, you know, when, you're, when the body feels safe, then almost in a way it allows those things to come up because you're in a space where you can start to deal with them and, and look at those things. And everybody has, has something from childhood or whatever it is where we've picked up these things. So for people who maybe are listening who are maybe a little bit newer to meditation or maybe haven't quite gone to those depths of really looking into those things because that can be a really scary thing, like you said, for people to look yeah. at, right, and, and to really go into the depths of what's down there. What are your best suggestions for dealing with even that feeling of nervousness of going going there? Mm. You know, yeah. Because, yeah, if you do want to release it, you have to face it at some point. Yeah, yeah. Well, a good example is I took a class last night, um, a breathwork and meditation class, and I just asked how everyone was feeling before and the main consensus was I'm feeling – nervous and I'm not knowing what's going to come up. So yeah, it's making me feel a bit apprehensive, but I'm, I'm here obviously because I want to be on the other side of that. Um, so it is, it is really natural. Um, and firstly, there is, I think there's two aspects to it. There's fear of the unknown because as humans, we're always going to have that sort of aspect of fear going into something that our body and our mind hasn't been before because it hasn't experienced that. So it's going to put up these warning signs going, hang on a sec, do you actually want to go there? We haven't experienced this. We don't know what's going to happen. So I think that's one. And then there's two, which is in recommending how people can overcome it or um, how people can push past it is that you've, you've got to look at what is on the other side Um, for that short-term yeah discomfort there is such long-term gain Um, there's yeah there's a clear vessel there's a releasing of all those fears and traumas and limiting beliefs on the other side Um, and you can only do that if you're in a safe um, supported environment and where your parasympathetic nervous system is supporting you. So when you're feeling calm and relaxed is when you can start to bring it up. So we bring that up with breath work. Um, And that's because the breath work really moves our energies and and stirs that up. Um, Our energies are emotions. So we don't have to label emotions. We don't have to attach any stories um, and they come up and you know, we feel them and whatever they are, they can be fear, guilt, sadness, um, happiness, and whatever they are, we accept them for what they are. There's no judgment. Um, and once we feel them and we accept them, then they can be released. Then they can move through us because emotions are designed to move through us and move on um, just like energies. But it's when we resist those energies or emotions that that is when we suppress and store them in our body and become stagnant and that's when they become illnesses or diseases do do the breath work and meditating so there's no diseases and illness and stress accumulated 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it, it sort of manifests in a way. And I think like you touched on there, many of us have learnt to suppress emotions for whatever reason. We may not have come to a practice or, you know, people listening might not know a practice to go to when dealing with difficult emotions. And sometimes that's the first thing that people will do is is suppress them or go for something that's distracting or whatever thing to, to not look at those emotions and not be in, in that space, right? So yeah. you touch on a couple of things there, which I think is, is uh, interesting to delve into because there's the element of witnessing your emotions and allowing them to pass through without judgment. And then also you mentioned not attaching stories to them. Mm. And I think that's really important because in that regard, sometimes that's what causes more emotion and more stress and more anxiety in the body, right? It can be in a loop. Yeah. It can be in a loop for years. Yeah. Yeah. And it just goes round and round in circles. So can you speak a little bit more about attaching stories and what you've found in terms of things that you might have witnessed with people that come to you or you guide through the types of stories that you've noticed people attach to their emotions? Mm. Well, stories can happen anytime, anywhere. But perfect example is like in, in relationships, you know, um, when you have two um, people and they have two different attachment styles, um, two different ways in which they like to be loved, to be seen, to be heard. Um, and if there's one that um, really values the affection the most and, and one that doesn't so much, so this one that really wants affection is perhaps getting into a story that this person doesn't love me why isn't this person showing me affection? Like, why isn't this person showing me the love? And so then they can be in a story that, oh, they don't want to be with me. Oh, what have I done? You know, and any kind of, any kind of stories like that can accumulate and they can consistently think of that by creating more thoughts and more thoughts. And it's just a ripple effect of thoughts really. Um, whereas this person's over here going, you know, I'm an acts of service kind of person and I'm going to show you how I love you by mowing the lawns and by doing certain other services, you know, making dinner for you and whatever. And so there's just that miscommunication, but this person's in a story and can't have the awareness if they're in that story. And it all comes down to a really good question to ask when you're unsure whether you are in a story or not is like what is what is at the moment what currently is because that allows you to get out of your thoughts get out of your emotions and really look at come to the present moment and see hang on my partner he made dinner for me last night he mowed the lawns he's making sure that I'm really looked after you know he's he's doing all those things and time is precious and that's just a good example I think Mm. Yeah. And it's it's almost like questioning those stories that you're telling yourself, almost taking a step out of it to have an objective perspective on it, right? Instead of just believing it to be true without questioning it. And so having having that uh, ability to go, is that is that true? Essentially, if if I'm telling myself my partner doesn't love me because he's not sh- he's not hugging me or something like that, is that actually true? Yeah. Yeah, yeah which is exactly. which is really yeah, which is a really great place to be to unravel those stories, which is what we want to do, right? It's, it's linked to limiting beliefs in that way as well, where 
yeah. essentially limiting beliefs are stories, right, that we tell ourselves that are yeah. preventing us from, from really growing and being the person that we want to be. Yeah, from, from a root cause from when you were young. It's yeah. massive. Yeah. So you touched on breath work there and I think that this is becoming something that's a practice that is becoming a lot more mainstream and which is so great because it's such a great, easy practice for people to do. It's so accessible. People can just you can be anywhere and do breath work, right? You don't have to even be anywhere specific to do it. So what have you found to be, I guess, the the best, because there's different techniques as well, right, to breath work. What do you find to be the most impactful one or one, one that you've seen really have a great effect on people that you're guiding through? I think it's all relative. Like I feel like the most common one, which I feel like every person should know, is the heart coherence breath. So that's breathing in for five counts through the nose and breathing out for five counts through the nose with no pause at the top or the bottom. Um, And this equates to about five and a half breaths per minute, which is the optimum amount of um, breaths per minute, which they say allows you to have the, the longest life that you can possibly have. It allows for healing. It's a low, slow breath. And, and that is what you want to have longevity it's it's a low slow breath mm. none of this chest breathing really fast it's yeah low and slow so yeah. I would definitely say to everyone out there that they should you know should be doing that when they're washing the dishes or driving in the car whenever they have a sec to themselves because we should really be in our parasympathetic nervous system 90% of the time but in this day and age it's the other way around it's swapped because there's so many stimulations and external influences and it's normalized to be in a high paced life where it's, it's really should be the other way around. Yeah. yeah, I I think that breath um, is the most important one for everyday life. And then there's the um, conscious connected breath, which I really love. It's a transformation um, happening on the other side of that breath um, because yeah, it's, Wim Hof breath. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, um, it really stirs up all the energies and, um, or emotions and releases them. Yeah. Yeah. So that it, one's a bit more of a intensive experience, I guess, because it's, it's something that pulls things out, I guess, from you. Right. Yeah. 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 And you don't know what you're going to feel on the other side. Like it may be a, a deep, um, blissful state or, it may be, you know, that's stirred up a lot of stuff and you're going to be uneasy for the next couple of days because you're just processing or regulating it. Yeah. Well, they're, they're too. So just again, that's the heart coherence, which is the five breaths in and five breaths out, yeah. uh, which equates to about five and a half breaths per minute and the conscious conscious connected breath, which yeah, is yeah. The, the more intense one. Yeah. yeah. Which is, Wim Hof um, breath. Yeah. Wim Hof breath. Yeah, yeah. Which is true that you can, uh, guys listening can sort of refer to if you're interested in delving in more into breath work. Mm-hmm. Now, the other thing that you talk about a lot is self-love and confidence and being authentic. And I think sometimes with those terms, you know, we hear those terms a lot. And I think sometimes theoretically, we understand what that all means. You know, yes, we need to love ourselves. And yes, we need to be more confident and be more authentic. But I'm interested to know, what does self-love mean to you? What does being authentic mean to you? Mm, good question. I think self-love is such a deep state of understanding of your inner essence and who you are 
and having the the confidence to really in, enjoy that space enough to share it with others and to lift each other up with that self-love. Mm, no, I like that. Being able to sit, I guess, in that, in your inner essence. Yeah. So I feel like that requires quite a bit of inner work and, and being with yourself, right? And, and, and a lot of people are not comfortable sitting with themselves. So sometimes that's the most uncomfortable thing to do is to sit with you by yourself. Absolutely. You know, I feel like I've heard, I don't know what the actual saying is, but we are with ourselves our whole lives, mm. right, in, in that way. And the whole idea about being authentic and loving ourselves and being confident is about going into that place that sometimes is scary and embodying that authentic self. So how do you embody being authentic and, and loving yourself? How do you do that? Because <laughs> <laughs> I think it's sometimes easier said than done, right? Yeah. I think with being authentic, it comes down to making conscious choices because every single choice that you make makes a difference everywhere. It, it ripples effects everywhere. Mm-hmm. So I think it starts there, it starts with the choices that you make and being um, being so invested in that choice, like backing that choice up and, um, you know, having that choice for a reason, you know, um, so that then your love for yourself can come from within because you're being truly aligned to who you are and connected to who you are. So I would say it would come down to my choices. And then self-love, oh, so many different aspects, you know, from physical things like facial massage, scalp massage, baths, nature walks, my meditation every day, my gym every day, the way I nourish myself, my food and water and what I get influenced by, like what I watch is self-love, all those aspects, my relationships, feeling connected with my heart and myself. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that. And I like that you kind of framed that by saying just in general, just making conscious choices so that you're actually deciding what it is that you're doing and it's not something that you just default response to. It's not something that you are just unconsciously doing just because, but you've actually thought about it and decided to do it. And yeah, only if we do that can we be authentic. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah. Now I've got the final three questions for you, Ali. So the first one is what drives you? <laughs> what drives me? I love being present. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just love being present and I love love. Um, so I love being connected to myself and I love being connected to my partner. So being present, that and freedom, my service to humanity and the planet. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's so yeah. cool. Yeah. Your purpose essentially, right? Definitely. Yeah. 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 Mm. Now, if you had to redo or relive something in your life and do it differently, what would it be and why? (laughs) I often think about this. I did, I had a really big knee injury and it's, uh, I did that, um, 
I did that in 2013, so 10 years ago, and it still gives me grief to this day. Um, So sometimes I feel like, oh, I just wish I didn't have that pain. But then uh, I often think like, oh, if I deleted that, what else would change? What other growth would I not have and maybe not be as involved as I am today? That's what came to mind first. Yeah. And I feel like many of my guests have a similar response in terms of thinking about the thing that they maybe would relive, but then thinking about the things that they've learned or have experienced because of that thing. And yeah, yeah, it's a bit of a, not so much a regret, but just something that maybe, yeah, that that sparks up. But it's just really interesting because everybody seems to have a very similar response to it, which is, which is um, very, very interesting. Yeah. 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 Now, my final question for you is, what is the biggest lesson you have learnt in your life so far? Wow, that is a big question. (laughs) (laughs) And I love that you told me a minute before we started this podcast. (laughs) I'll put that in there because I have nothing planned. (laughs) But yeah, what first came to mind is being able to self-realise and that's being able to be the observer of who I am, my thought patterns, my behavioral patterns. Yeah, who I am in every situation, um, different perspectives and being able to observe and come out of me and and really look at things that make you feel really embarrassed and ashamed and um, scared and hurt. Like facing those things I've always done with courage Mm. and so yeah, the biggest lesson that I've learned with them is to just keep doing that. Yeah. <laughs> um, because it's it's tough, but it's really well worth it. It's so much so much freedom and expansion on the other side. Mm. Yeah. No, I really love that. And it's 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 self awareness, right? That's that's the thing. It's the muscle that we I feel like a lot of us are just continually strengthening throughout life. It can only really get stronger and our awareness of ourselves gets deeper and we just learn more. I don't think there's any point where you stop learning that or yeah. you yeah. stop learning ab- about different parts of who you are, yeah. which is uh, which is really great. I mean, and it, and it sounds like really your journey is about growth. You know, I feel like a, pretty much everybody is here to grow. But, yeah. but some people don't choose it. That's yeah. right. Yeah. When you choose when you're choosing it, I think that's when there's that fulfillment. Mm. Yes, when you're aware of the growth and then you can almost you see things differently. You see life differently and you see yourself differently as well. Yeah. You know, From yeah. all perspectives, which is like such a rich and yeah, expansive way to look at things. Yeah. yeah. It's a really loving way to look at things. Mm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Really positive way. Positive and it's not. It might not always be positive experiences per se, but there's always something positive to be taken out of any experience, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I've really loved chatting to you and, and discussing all of these amazing topics. Where can people find, because you do so much in this space, meditation, breath work, you do retreats and you guide people through where can people go to find all of your amazing work? At the moment, you can find me on my Instagram, which is my name, Ali, A-L-I, and my last name, Ochen, O-E-T-J-E-N. So you can find me on there. Um, I'm doing my website at the moment. <laughs> so 
yeah, just go to my Instagram and then you can find everything on there in the link. Yeah, amazing. We'll pop all of those links up in the show notes because Ali posts a lot of amazing, great, positive content which you can meditate with you. You've got lots of different bits and pieces on there. So make sure you check it out, guys. Tell us what you loved and learned from this episode by leaving a rating and review over at Apple Podcasts. Screenshot this episode, tag us and share it to your socials. Thank you again, Ali, for joining me on the show. And thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you next time on the Rachel J Podcast. <laughs>